get to go with Nicole, and uh, you can follow her upstairs. They're going to work on some more creation material. And uh, again, thank you for being here today. We uh, encourage you to stay. Uh, there'll be a picnic uh, following uh, church this morning, and uh, you're all certainly welcome to stay. I'm pretty sure we'll have plenty of food there, so uh, you're welcome to join us. It'll be outside just to the right as you leave uh, under the trees there. Next Sunday, uh, along with all the other amazing things that are happening, there's uh, free breakfast. Say free breakfast. Free breakfast. Free breakfast. Okay, that's good, thanks. <laughs> next Sunday, next Sunday morning, the, uh, we'll start serving about 8.30, and uh, so about 45 minutes uh, of breakfast, and then you can come on into the sanctuary and celebrate uh, the heroes of our nation that uh, have given their lives and continue to serve for us around the world so that we can freely gather here. How many of you are still glad that we can do that? Amen? Amen, absolutely. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Thessalonians. Um, I want to share with you uh, a message that I've entitled, Becoming a Hero. What does that mean? What does it take to become a hero? Children need heroes. I always like to read things that children write, and here's a couple of things I found. Dear Brody, Miss P made me write you this note. All I want to say sorry for is not being sorry, because I tried to feel sorry, but I don't. Written by Liam. In interesting, huh? Dear Mrs. McMahon, you're a good teacher, but not my most favorite one. <laughs> I love kids. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. And then this is the best ever, ever, a child's to-do list. Get $100, find a servant, do nothing. <laughs> Gosh, I love kids, I just love kids. First Thessalonians, Paul. Paul, in this, in this letter to the uh, church at Thessalonica, he absolutely loves the people there. It was, they had gone through some hard times and some suffering, and he actually had to leave there because of some persecution and so on. But he, he was so impressed with this church, and in many ways he was their father figure, and in many ways Paul was their hero. And he begins his letter. I want to read the first seven verses, and then I want to show you four things quickly out of this passage of Scripture. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers, loved by God, we know that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Models to all the believers. 
hero, a hero is a model. A hero is a person that you look to, you follow after. They are people of courage. They are people of strength. They're people that you can trust. That's what a hero is. And I've, I've learned something over the years. Uh, Linda and I raised two children, uh, Eric and Erica. And I'm always fascinated to hear from them uh, at special times, in particular Father's Day this year. They, sent, they both sent me a card, which I was... I get cards from my son often, but my daughter, we've asked her before, why don't you ever send cards? And her answer is simply, because I don't. And uh, so uh, this year when I got a card, uh, I was quite... First, I was very surprised. But let me, let me share with you what it said. Uh, my son Eric sent me this card. What makes a man remarkable? It is his character and the way he treats people. It is his sense of loyalty and the way he's there for loved ones. It is his generous heart and love of friends and family. It's more than what he does. It's who he is. Happy Father's Day to a truly remarkable man. And then he wrote personally, thank you for everything you do. I would love to take you golfing again. That will happen, I can assure you. And then my daughter wrote these words. It was a simple card actually made by my granddaughter, Bella, and she wrote these words inside. Happy Father's Day, Dad. I can't thank you enough for all that you have done for me. I have felt unconditional love from you my whole life. Thankful to you for listening to me when I needed someone to talk to and cheering for me throughout my life. You're an amazing father and a wonderful grandfather to my children. I love you, Erica. I'll probably show that to her on a regular basis just so that we can <laughs> keep the relationship developing. But, you know, it's, you know, you give your life. I'm 61 years old and I've spent my life, uh, three-fourths of that has been involved in ministry and working with children and, and teenagers and, and senior citizens and, and people. And you begin to wonder sometimes, the people that I really want to impress, the ones that really matter to me, are my kids, my wife and my children. You want to find out if somebody's hero material? Talk to their kids. I've considered even doing that when interviewing someone for a job position, to talk to their children. So what's your dad like at home? Ooh, I don't want somebody working like, for, I don't want anybody like that working for me. The children have this insight, an absolutely amazing insight. And this morning I was, Claire, I'm going to read this if it's all right with you. Well, I'm going to do it anyway, so. <laughs> but Claire this morning gave me this card that says thanks about a hundred times. Dear Pastor Fred, I can't thank you enough for what you've done for me. Thanks so much for helping me excel in my relationship with God. Oh my gosh. I know that you will do amazingly with the kids next year and the years to come. So thanks again for being a friend of me, an amazing pastor, and someone I can just have some fun and joke around with. I wish you good luck with the kids in coming years. Thanks again. Then there's two PSs. Uh, sorry about the pattern on the top. It's a little girly. It's okay. And then the, the best one ever, PSS, I loved your sermon on Saturday. Sweet. 
But you might say, well, Pastor Fred, that's you. You know, you're just special. No, I'm not. Well, yes, I am. I'm sorry. That's true. <laughs> but but this, the challenge of becoming a hero in the lives of other people is not just between the dad and his kids or, or mom and kids. It's, it's about becoming a hero to this world. This world is desperately in need of somebody that we can trust. Somebody we can look up to. Somebody that we can say, yes, that person knows what they're talking about. They're a person of character. They're a person of integrity. They're a person that when they tell you they love you, they actually mean it. God give us Christians that will rise up and become those kinds of people. Now, how do we do that? I have no idea. No, yes, I do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at verse number 2. To begin to establish a relationship with someone on a hero level, you have to have the heart of the person that you're ministering to. You have to have the heart of the person that you are going to go into a relationship with. Because you see, if all you do is agree on what you think about, you're never going anywhere. But you have to begin to believe together. Why do you think Paul said, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers? Because he knew you could never have their heart. You may have their mind, you may think alike, you may, there may be some similarities in thinking, but until you have their heart, you don't have them. They won't follow you. One of the great things I saw in the lives of these young boys is, as we worked together this year in Boys of Valor is I began to realize that I had their heart. I didn't just have, you know, it wasn't just that I had, you know, a fear factor over them. If you don't do what I tell you, I'll step on you kind of a thing. It wasn't that at all. But I had their heart. They loaded and unloaded trucks in the heat, in the rain. They built furniture, which ended up being sold for over $700 to help the kids' pantry. And it didn't matter what we were going to do. They would come in that night and go, Pastor Fred, what are we doing tonight? And I said, it's a surprise. And they go, oh, work. <laughs> and yet they did it. And we had such a great time and so much fun with it. But the most important thing of all of this is, was that I was honest with them. I was honest with them, and I prayed for them, and I believed in them. Verse 2, he says that we always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. If you're going to be a hero to someone, you have to begin to pray for them. You have to pray with them. You have to pray about them. You have to pray around them. You have to pray under them. You have to pray over them. You have to pray, 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 because that's how you get to their heart. Because... I've heard it said, don't tell me that you care. Show me that you care. Nobody cares until they know you care. Touch their heart. Get to their heart. Why do teenage girls and teenage boys drift away from the church? Why do they take off? Why do girls get in so much trouble at an early age? is because the parents have somehow lost their heart. They've lost the heart of their kids. They've provided for them. Why do rich kids that have everything seem like they drift away and get involved in all kinds of weirdness? Because the, there's no connection to the heart. 
That's the key. The Bible tells us, God says, man looks on the outward appearance, right? But God sees the, notice it says heart. He doesn't say God sees the mind. It says God sees the heart. The transformation of a heart. That's what it's all about. Love, love the people that you are involved with. Love them into the kingdom. You may not even like them, but you will have to love them. There's a lot of people I don't even like them. I won't mention any names right now, but <laughs> check with me later. But, but you love them. You pray with them. Honesty. The hero must be honest. Number two, exemplify desired behavior. Be an example. Be a model. In verse 7, what does Paul say here to the... He says, and so you became a model to the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. There was an amazingly powerful commercial years ago when I was young. It was a picture of a father with his little boy, and they were in a park, and they went down, they went and sat down by a tree, and the father had a pack of cigarettes, and he took out a cigarette, and he laid the pack down next to his little boy. The boy was maybe two or three years old. And the father took the cigarette out, and then the little boy reached over for the pack of cigarettes. And that was the end of the commercial. You know the message I got? Wow, my kids are watching what I do. They watch what we do. They listen to what we say. Heroes, you have to be understand you're going to be a leader. Well, I'm not a leader. I'm not leader material. If you're saved, you're a leader. If you are a Christian, you are a leader. If you know the way to Christ, you are a leader. Somebody will follow you. Well, nobody follows me. You want to bet? I could go to your workplace, I could go to your school, I could walk it down your neighborhood, and I could just begin to ask, say, hey, what, do you, what can you tell me about these people that live here? I may do that someday in Pastor Darrell's neighborhood. Hey, did you know that, you know that guy that lives in that house is a pastor? No way! I've seen how he treats his kids, that's impossible! No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Actually, this is honest truth. I had a group of college kids with me one time at a church in Chicago, and, and I was just having a great time with them. And one of the young ladies, who was very prim and proper, what a nightmare, um, <laughs> she came up to me in private and said, Pastor Fred, you have no business being a pastor. <laughs> that was the highest compliment she could have paid me. I said, really? That's awesome. Why do you believe that? Because you're not serious. Well, I got news for you. I'll be laughing in my, calf, in my coffin. I'm going to have a riot. I don't want to just, you know, kind of wander into heaven. I'm going to come sliding in, screaming and yelling. I made it! I'm here! Hallelujah! You know, you're laughing in church. What is wrong with you people? Don't you know that God is here? I have way more fun in church than I probably should, but it doesn't matter. It's God's fault. He, he made me. But you see, and I, I have to be an example to the kids. I, you know, if I'm not crazier than they are, they'll just sit there and stare at me. 
and I'll get nervous. They have to be involved. A hero steps out and does weird things. Jesus, he heals people. He raises people from the dead. Jesus did weird stuff. He walks on water. Who does that? Other than Peter for a couple steps. But you see, Jesus was not about trying to maintain some kind of, a, of an ideology. He was here to establish the relationship for, between him and this amazing God called our Heavenly Father. God wants us to be an example to everybody around us. And I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about your clothes and, and all this other stuff. I'm talking about the, your heart issues, that how you handle crisis. What do you do when the whole world is crashing around you? What do you do when, when everything is going your way and you are absolutely blessed beyond measure? How do you act? How do you respond? People are watching. They want to see somebody that can do this and do it right. And children are looking for parents that can do that. Employers are looking for employees that can function that way. It's all about becoming this model as a hero. And I want to be that kind of a hero. And that's going to take some extreme faith. You can't do that on your own. Thirdly, heroes respond to need through the resources of God. Verse number three, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share something with you now that I learned in a men's Bible study a while back that just totally opened my mind and my understanding to this idea of the armor. This whole week, uh, every night... We had a different piece of armor that the kids developed and, and made out of cardboard and aluminum foil and all this fun stuff. The first night was uh, the belt of truth. And then it was the breastplate of righteousness. And then their feet shod with the gospel of peace. And they were shin guards. Those were really amazing shin guards. In the middle of the night, God goes, hey, here's how you make the shin guards. Get a bunch of carpet tubes from Steve Nisley, split them down the middle, cut them into lengths, wrap them in aluminum foil, drill holes in them, put rope on there, and tie them around the kid's legs. Great idea, God. Who's going to do all that? You are. Thanks. So yes, that's what I did. Part of my time was cutting carpet tubes. I'll add that to my resume. Uh, Then the shield of faith, which we purchased these big cardboard shields for the kids. And the helmet of salvation, those little plastic army helmets you saw. And the sword of the spirit, which was, thank the Lord, it was cardboard, because once the preschoolers got a hold of them, it was, let's attack Pastor Fred. So it was all, ah! I mean, yeah, don't ever give those kids knives. I don't even want to know what's going to happen. But it was those, those elements, we began to teach on, on that, and there were skits that related to that, and it was just an amazing way of instilling that in the minds of the kids. But... As I looked at that, as I read that, and I've read it hundreds of times, and I, but I began to think, why did Paul put that in that particular order? As he was looking at that Roman soldier, and he began to, you know, he began to think about these spiritual principles and so on of truth and so on, I began to think, why did he do it in that particular order? And then I began to realize that 
The belt of truth is the core of what we must believe. The world is desperately seeking, not for a savior, they need that, but what are they seeking for? Truth. The world wants to know the truth. The movie, in the movie, uh, one of the guys says, you can't handle the truth. Nah, whatever. The truth. This is the truth. It does not contain the truth. It is the truth. It is absolute truth. There are no mistakes here. There are no errors. There are no misquotations. It's the truth. I can read this and not have to think about, well, I wonder if that's real. The boys were funny during the, our times together. I would read a story out of Chicken Soup for the Soul, which I usually check to make sure it's valid. And uh, so I'd read the story, and the, kid, and the boys would invariably go, Pastor Fred, is that the truth? Is that true? I go, guys, why would I waste your time telling you something that's not true? I'm not going to waste your time. One of the things that, that I thank God for regarding Pastor Merrill and myself, or Pastor Daryl and myself, Pastor Merrill and others, that anybody that's going to stand at this pulpit in this church will tell you the truth will speak the truth, or they will not be up here. The truth is where everything begins. So Paul said, put on the belt of truth. Start there. Get the belt of truth. Once you understand the truth, the truth is what sets you free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And understand that. Jesus was about telling the truth. Jesus did not come to the people and say, look, you know, you need to get saved. I don't know if he ever even said that. What he said was, I'm here to tell you the truth. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are not giving you the truth. I'm here to tell you the truth about God my Father. I'm here to tell you the truth. The truth is what sets people free. And you begin there. You start telling them the truth, understanding what they believe truth is. And from there, once you understand truth, what do you do? You start acting right. You do the right thing. You act righteously. The most righteous thing you can do once you've been confronted with truth is confess your sin, confess the fact that you are an unbeliever. You know what sin is? Not believing the truth. That's what sin is. Because once I believe the truth, I automatically want to know more about it. And I am drawn to Christ. That's how the Holy Spirit draws us to become Christians. We, we, are, we can, are confronted with the truth. And that's what sets us free and gets us moving in this path of righteousness. So we confess our sins. Once you've confessed your sin and you said, God, I want to be a believer, what happens? Peace flows into your life. This struggle, this turmoil, this hunting and seeking after what, there's got to be something truth, there's got to be something right, I've got, I want to know what's true. You find the truth, it sets you free. You do the right thing, you enter into this... Uh, the beginning of a relationship with Christ. What happens? You then have to exercise your faith. You have to exercise faith and say, I believe this truth. I believe it. I accept Jesus' death on the cross for payment for all my sins. We heard it this morning in the baptismal. I believe that Jesus was crucified, that he rose again from the dead, and that he's coming back for his church, for his kids. Someday, probably soon. And so I exercise my faith and I accept that payment. 
What do I receive in return for accepting that? The helmet of salvation. My mind is changed. I start thinking saved. What does it mean to think like a Christian? What does it mean to think saved? Well, you stop worrying. Ooh. You stop doubting. Ooh. Stop complaining. Ooh. Apparently none of us in this room are Christian. No, I'm kidding. But when you think saved, you stop. There's no more fear. No more doubt. No more unbelief. And no more worry. Because you see, and, and I've gotten into discussions with people that want to, they want to tell me all of, you know, well, there's terrible things coming. Terrible, terrible. Oh, the stock market, then money's going to this. And, and I'm going, So? So? I thought you said you were a Christian. Yeah, but all this stuff is coming. We've got to buy food and guns and ammunition, and we've got to get ready. We've got we to reinforce our basements, and we've got to, you know, just hide stuff. And I go, why? Well, because terrible things are coming. So? So? Y2K. Oh, my stars. How many of you still have water jugs from Y2K? You see, that message of fear doesn't affect me. I refuse to allow that to get into my spirit because I'm saved. You know what? The minute someone fires a bullet at me, God could just go, oh no, not today. Stop the bullet. Take me out of here. Do whatever God wants. Because I'm his. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. What is the worst thing that could happen to a, a Christian? Well, they could die. That's not the worst. That's the best. The worst thing is that you could be stuck here. In a dead church. That would be worse. Because you see, the helmet of salvation changes how you think. And then God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you how to use this sword. I'm going to teach you. I'll give, I'll give you understanding. Once your mind is saved, you can read the word of God and get it. It makes sense. Until you're saved, this makes no sense whatsoever. Are you kidding me? This is impossible to read. This is crazy. I can't read that. That's nuts. It's full of things that make no sense in the natural, but every bit of sense in the supernatural. That's why I love the Word of God. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. The final thing, overcome adversity. Heroes know how to overcome adversity. In verse 6, he commends them because they understood how to deal with suffering. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite, in spite of severe suffering. You welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Suffering. Uh, you know, this may come as a shock to you, but there are people in the world that are suffering a lot worse than we are for their faith. Okay? For a lot too many Christians in America, if the air conditioning is not working at church, that's suffering. No, no, no. 
you know, if, you know, we don't have, we're not going to have cheese today for the hamburgers, so there'll be no cheese burgers, so that'll be suffering, but that's okay. We'll overcome that. Suffering. It's happening around the world. In spite of that, people are coming to Christ by the hundreds, thousands, knowing full well that they may lose their family, they, may lose, they could lose everything, but yet they still come to Christ. Why? Because he is the truth. He's the truth. Heroes are able to gain the heart of those that they minister to and relate to. Heroes exemplify correct behavior. Heroes respond to need through the resources of God. And heroes know how to overcome adversity in every situation. And as a result, you gain a following. People love you. They care about you. And your kids will send you nice cards on Father's Day. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I sense your powerful presence in this place today. Lord, some are, there may be some here today that they want to know the truth. Lord, I believe they've heard the truth. And now, Father, I pray that you would lead them into the path of salvation. That their minds would be changed and transformed. That their hearts would be overwhelmed by the love of Christ. And that, Father, in your name, they could receive Christ into their hearts. Where he could become their hero and then they could, in turn, become someone else's hero. To share Christ, whom to share is life eternal. And I thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks, Pastor Fred. Good word. Amen. What a good word. What a good word this morning. And um, I just want to encourage you uh, today that everything that is right with uh, life and, you know, the idea that Jesus is the good news, it all begins with the relationship with Jesus. So if you haven't started that, start it today. There's packets up here. You can just go ahead and grab one after service. They're free. You've got a Bible in there, some prayers for you. Uh, some things about following Jesus, would love for you to take one. Maybe you're sharing your faith with someone, you want to take one, go ahead and do that. Um, but we want everybody to have that. There's devotionals in the lobby so that you can just walk with God every day um, these, these weeks and months of the summer. And also, if you're a parent, uh, we also have a book in the lobby for you by Mark Batterson about praying for your children. And so that's available in the lobby as well. We just want to get that into your hands as you walk with God and, and have that relationship uh, with him. In a moment, we're going we're gonna to have a picnic, and uh, I know for a fact that we have more than enough food. Uh, we, have, we have bought, we have, we have more hot dogs and hamburgers than we do bulletins today. Can you believe that? So um, we have more food than we could ever eat, and we'd love for everybody to join us for lunch. Even if you're here as a guest for the baptism, please come join us for lunch. All you have to do is step out the doors, walk down the sidewalk, and you'll see them grilling down there. There's, there's places to eat. We moved everything under the trees so that um, uh, we'll have some shade because, hey, we got some sun today. How about that? That's pretty cool for our picnic. And um, so we're going to have a good time with that. 
I'm going to give you the blessing of the Lord, but let me say this before you go. I want to let you know that Pastor Merrill has arrived safely in India. He arrived uh, Saturday, uh, would have been Saturday morning, their time. That would have been late Friday night, our time. Uh, he's, if you can, I know this sounds weird, but he is 11 and a half hours ahead of us. I don't know where the half hour went, but he is 11 and a half hours ahead of us in India. And so when you're praying for him, just remember that. So he's actually sleeping. It's Sunday night. He's getting ready for the week ahead. Just know that it was a long trip. He's very tired. And uh, so pray for Pastor Merrill's strength as he begins to teach. Uh, Chris Allman's already been there a week, and I heard it's been a fantastic week of teaching there. So it's been really, really good. Would you stand for the blessing of the Lord? And then let's have some lunch together. Uh, if we've never met, I'd love to meet you at the picnic. So uh, just make sure you tap me on the shoulder and say hi. And um, I'm, again, just so glad that you're here. Please stay for lunch. We're going to have breakfast next week. So if you come to church next week, come early because we're going to have a, a big breakfast for you in the gym, choir presentation. It's going to be great. Um, also, Wednesday night prayer, uh, we're doing something a little different. It's not a formal service with worship in the Word. It's just prayer this uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, no kids ministry because we're doing all our preparation for Awana during the summer. But uh, let's uh, go in the grace and the peace of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that peace that rests upon us, that peace that comes through a relationship with you, that favor, that blessing, God, all the things that we need that we could never provide for ourselves. But God, you are so good. Lord, you're good to Pastor Merrill. And as we pray right now, our prayers are immediately going on the other side of the world to him, to Chris, as they minister there. God, you're going to be with all of us this week as we live for you. And uh, God, thank you for our time together. We pray that we'd have a great time eating. May we draw closer together and closer to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'll see you at the picnic. Head on out right now. We'll see you out there.